Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday, Monday Mindset, Mindset Podcast. Podcast, where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 171. And this week, it's Terry's turn to share something with us. Terry, what do you have? Well, Daisy, in honor of needing to find something fairly quick to cover, I went back to the Quick Brain podcast with Jim Quick. Always a good one. Always a good one. And usually something very applicable. You know, mm. they're not too just philosophical. There's there's a couple action steps that you can take. So I always like talking about his episodes. So this episode was episode 334 of Quick Brain, and it's called How to Shift Perspective and Create Change That Lasts. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning of the episode, Jim Quick was basically talking about something that we talk about all the time here, and, and I talk about it all the time in my work with the fasting method, but the idea that if you want to create change in your life, you want something to be new, and he even pushes it, if you want to do something or have something that's brand new, you have to be willing to do something you've never done before. Mm, makes sense. And I think this is one of the reasons why, you know, BJ Fogg with Tiny Habits and James Clear with Atomic Habits, they talk so much about figuring out the steps that you're going to take, uh, reinforcing it, celebrating them, but you're going to have to do new things. And that's not easy. Our brain doesn't really love to do that consistently. So we have to really be aware that we're going to do things differently before the change is going to happen. I think many of us want the change to just kind of happen overnight. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, of course. And I think something to put this into context, he reiterates um, some knowledge that we have about the human brain. And most science kind of estimates, and we, we don't know this for sure, but estimates that a person has between 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. The challenge for most of us is that 90 to 95% of these are repeats. Mm. The thought I had today is the same thought I had yesterday, same thought I had the day before that and before that. And by the time you're 54 years old like I am, you've thought that thousands and thousands <laughs> and thousands of times. So unfortunately, so much of our thinking, which then creates our patterns, is just repetitive. And again, if we want change, we're going to have to start doing something new. And that means we have to stop doing something that's old. And so in this case, we have to stop thinking those old thoughts and we have to start thinking new thoughts. So he then talked about some steps to make change and a couple of general concepts. And then he goes into his three keys to making change. So let me just go over some general things he said about creating change in our lives that will last. He said the first thing he would do is to encourage us to stop saying, I wish this would change, or I hope that I can do this, or I hope that I can change this. And he says, we have to take that I wish and we have to turn it into I will. Mm. He said the hope won't get us there. It's the habit, it's the repetition of habit that will get us there. And as we know much of his work, the goal in creating change is to create new neurons in our brain, new pathways, and that is called neurogenesis, and new plasticity or new connections, and that's 
the neuroplasticity that we all talk about. So in order to create new neurons and new connections, the ways that we do that really are through novelty and nutrition. Now, we aren't going to go through the nutrition piece, and he didn't talk about it, but how we feed our body, how we feed our brain is really important in creating these new neural pathways and connections. But novelty, he emphasized the importance of trying something new to have this novelty happening in order to create these new neural pathways. And he then talked about a little bit of a, a suggestion that he has about when you try something new. He said many times you have to try it once just to get over the fear of it. Many of us, when we don't know how to do something, we're a little unsure about it. So the first time I got on a snowboard, that first time is completely just to get over the fear of this new task. He says then try it twice to begin to learn how it works, to start getting the, the gist of it and understand the flow of it. And then he said, try it a third time to see if you actually like it or not. And he said, of course, this doesn't just mean three times and, and you'll know. It may mean you do it three or four times to get over the fear. It might mean you do it five, six to seven times to learn the how of it. And then you might need to do it a few more times to learn if you really like it. And you and I have talked about this with a lot of different things in the past year. I went to pottery for the first time. You started working with stained glass and Again, the first time you go, it's kind of just getting your feet wet to see if you can get over the fear or the uncertainty. Then learn how to do it, and then you can tell if you actually like it. Yeah, I was I was thinking about the stained glass when you were talking about that. And my general approach and endless frustration with wanting to be able to do it exactly how I want to do it the first time and getting frustrated because I can't. But of course, it's, it's an unreasonable expectation to think that you're going to be able to do it perfectly the first time, no matter how many YouTube videos you've watched on the subject. And I know we've spoken about this before, haven't we? And I, I can't remember who was talking about it, but I, I do remember the episode quite well it, it was one of yours and it was in sports reference I think but this this whole um, being able to improve a skill by thinking it through in your mind and the statistics of actually how you can significantly improve how well you do something by practicing it over and over in your mind and I have found that um, and so there there is some benefit to watching YouTube videos and doing something over and over in your head. But I certainly fall into that trap of, you know, expecting to be able to do it as well as the videos I've been watching the first time, because I think, you know, I've studied it over and over and over again. Surely I've, I know all the theory. I should be able to do it in the practice. But it's yeah, you got to build that muscle memory for anything that you have to do. But it was difficult in that particular example because I went with the express purpose of making a stained glass window for my front door. So I kind of had to do it pretty well the first time. There wasn't really an option of not. And that was the thing I learned from the experience was every step that I did, I learned how much better to do the step before. So, you know, I thought I was okay at cutting the glass and I was pretty good actually I didn't have to redo many I think I had to redo one maybe two but when I came to p 
putting the glass together with the lead in between, I discovered how important it was being really precise with the glass because it impacted that step. And then when I went on to the soldering step, I realized how important some of those details that I thought I'd just be able to fudge when it came to the soldering. I realized how important it was actually to be more precise at that step at the putting the lead together and making sure that those joins were really flush, that the lead, because lead is, is so soft, it gets twisted easily, making sure that all of those joins were completely flush and completely flat because the joins that were like that the soldering, which is difficult, is a thing that you have to practice to get it looking good. But I found the joins that were perfect were so much easier to solder. The joins that looked a mess were the ones that weren't perfectly flush and perfectly flat. So it's, it's my very long way. I always have to say things in the long form, but it's my long way of saying that it's only by doing that you learn and, and you have to keep doing things over and over for, for obviously with some things for, for years and years before you become really proficient at it. But yes, you do. You don't just get to do it perfectly the first time, however much we might like to. <laughs> and similarly, we may not even get the right experience yet to evaluate if we like it. Yeah. If the first few times I do something new, I'm just getting over the fear or the hesitancy. I might not yet be at the state of enjoying it or liking it. So recognizing that that comes through that initial repetition. Yeah, isn't that thing with, um, I don't know, that, that people like to put a certain number. It goes back to last week. You like to put a certain number on things. But with trying new foods, trying new taste, I've heard it mentioned, especially, you know, trying to get kids to try new foods. Often, yeah you don't like it the first time, but try it seven times or whatever the magic number is. And you really get to know then whether you are, it is a taste you're going to like, mm. because, you know, you taste something. I can't, and we've, we've shared, we've shared videos with each other. There's, um, I'm not sure where they're based, but there's a great kid somewhere who loves tasting all the things, you know, there's a really young child is I'm sure we've, we've shared these videos who loves tasting all these things and their parents give all sorts of things like hot chili peppers and all sorts of tastes that you wouldn't think that kids would, would like enjoying. And they, you know, and they taste it and they rate it and it's amazing all the, the they're, they're obviously so used to trying all sorts of different things. But often it's really difficult, isn't it, to get kids to eat new foods and adults come to that. Mm -hmm. But and you, and you can't make that decision on the first taste. I mean, sometimes you can. Sometimes you fall in love with a food that very first bite. But uh, I think most of us know that, especially things that we know are good for us and that we should be eating, it takes a little bit of practice to get to like them. Absolutely. So he then goes into his main point of the podcast and he shares his three keys to making change. Now, I had to laugh because by the end, he actually talked about four, but <laughs> he, just, he started by hitting the first three keys. And as you know, Daisy, oftentimes what Jim Quick does when he's listing off a list of strategies is he will use alliteration to use the same sound so that you remember so this, this is the three C's, which actually become the four C's by the end. So number one is consistency. 
and what you were just saying about how it takes a number of times for things. He was talking here about, we hear, oh, in order to make something a habit, you have to do it for 30 days or 66 days or 90 days or whatever it is. And he said, whatever that number is, consistency, the power that makes change happen comes through repetition. The whole term habit is repetition. Mm. If it's not something we do repeatedly, it's not going to be a habit. And he said this little thing, and sometimes Jim just has these ways of saying, I talk about him as Jim now, we're on first name basis, personal basis. That's cool. Um, But sometimes he just says things in such powerful little ways. He said, when you are persistent, you attain it. When you are consistent, you keep it. Mm. So a lot of times I think when people think about doing something new or that you have to persist, you have to, you know, persistence, we're often taught that persistence is the thing we should all be aiming for. And he says, actually, that's not so much the case. It's consistency that we should be working on. So your consistency is what makes the change happen and makes it last. That doesn't happen immediately. It takes a lot of repetition before it becomes habit and before it becomes something that you will do consistently in the future. So consistency being so important. The second C is capability. And this is referring to the skills or the strategy you use to do something. As you just gave your example with the stained glass, you learned pretty quickly, you know, week to week, what are the strategies you need to do to make sure your cutting is appropriate so the next stage works? Oh, okay, how are you going to work with this to make this work? So the capability, figuring out and practicing the skills or the strategy that you use to make this thing happen. And number three, he said challenge. And although this is something that I think many of us struggle with, the reality is we have to go through challenge in order to make things a habit, to improve or get better at something, we actually have to face challenge. He said, you get better and more capable as you navigate struggle. And then you learn the next steps. You learn the the pieces that are needed. And he said that with challenge comes change. He used this thing at the end that I really like. He said, you know, a lot of times we do something for a while and we think that life becomes easier. You know, if, if saving money is a goal and I start practicing these skills, suddenly my financial life gets easier. And he said, life doesn't get better, you get better. And I really take this not to mean as far as our personal worth getting better, not that, but we get better at things. We get more competent and more confident. Mm. And that's what improves life satisfaction. That these changes really happen because we're doing things that are challenging to us. We're doing new things. We're using our capabilities and therefore the skills get better. We get better and the enjoyment or outcomes get better. And then the fourth C that he tacked in, and I thought it was kind of funny because, of course, he always has a little bit of something he's selling, a a course or something. He said the fourth C is coach. Get yourself a coach. Mm. Because what does a coach do in the change process? They challenge you in order to help you grow. They support you. 
They provide a different perspective. They inspire and encourage you. So they help you kind of go through those steps as far as learning the capabilities, challenge, and creating consistency. So I find that I used to struggle with this concept a lot. I think it often came from when I was in graduate school, you know, money was always really tight in grad school and you know, can I afford to do this or that? And there was no way I had any money that I could pay to have someone teach me something. So for example, at one point I, I wanted to learn play guitar. I did not get a guitar, but I got a ukulele. And so I started watching a lot of videos on how to play the ukulele. And although I think you can be self-taught and learn to play the ukulele, I think my success and my whether or not I play the ukulele to this day would have been greatly affected had I had a coach, mm. had I had someone to actually walk me through rather than watching those videos or you know, trying to just do what I watched other people do, I think a coach would have really made the difference there. And make it fun as well. Make it. That's right. They're also there. They're not only there to teach you, but ways to make it easier for you, ways to make it more enjoyable, ways to strategies to help you to make it stick. That's All right. those things that, yeah, like you say, it's not impossible to learn it to be self-taught but it's so much harder it's so much easier if you can say hey this is this is a really fun way to practice <laughs> and I know now I'm in the role of coach and obviously I value it significantly it just took a long time for me to see the value of paying someone to help me learn to do something that I could just teach myself on my own. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's been invaluable uh, lesson in my life. And if you kind of look back at all of the things he talked about, I think probably everyone listening has an example of their own, or you could probably think of someone else who went through a really challenging or difficult time. The interesting thing is that most of us can reflect upon the idea that in the end, there was benefit from the difficulty as far as some kind of light was shed on something new for this person. They developed a strength or a skill. They were able to grow from the experience. And so, you know, when people talk about not seeing things as mistakes or failure, but to see them as learning opportunities, it's really important to think about facing challenges because that is what will help us to grow and change and develop. He kept mentioning things like strength, mental fortitude, grit, all of these things that all of these um, self-help gurus talk about. In order to develop those, we really need to be willing to go through these steps of change, face the challenges that are involved because most things that we want that are important to us they do entail taking on a challenge. So the last thing he ends with, he says this often, but I think it's really important here, change your brain, change your life. So changing your brain with the neurogenesis, the creating new neurons, the neuroplasticity of making new connections by doing novel things, by doing them consistently, by figuring out your capabilities and being willing to work through the challenge of it. So those were his 
four three C's <laughs> of, of making change last. Yes, and I think I wrote down, and, and you just touched on that when uh, with the third one, with challenge, and I wrote down the, the importance of failure and what you can learn mm. from failure. It's important to fail at things. It's important to do things wrong to learn how to do it right. You know, going back to the stained glass again, if I'd have kind of been doing things you know, not perfectly, but sort of mostly right, it would have been okay, but you don't get the same breadth of knowledge. So, you know, when I did things that were very wrong and I could see they were very wrong, you then have to figure out, yeah, what were the steps I took that ended up getting that result? It's much more illuminating to figure out how I tweak those steps to get the result I want, but you only get that from seeing what happens when it goes wrong to getting it right the next time. So these these steps are important, aren't they? And I think, mm-hmm. and, and going back to the beginning when you were talking about our favorites, we both like them, BJ Fogg and James Clear with their small steps and atomic steps and baby steps, basically. And I think it was the, the biggest part that, and it was the first part of the episode that I shared last week, this sort of focusing on the outcome. They, they were sort of talking about focusing on the dream, focusing on the outcome and not focusing so much on the on the means and the boring bit. And that, that was the biggest part. There were a lot of things that I took from that episode that I did find very useful, but that was the biggest part that I sort of railed against because I was thinking of... Um, I was thinking of these small steps, taking these small steps and working out the how. I did take from it the danger of focusing too much on the how, which is often something that I do, focusing on so much on the how that I never actually get started and get on with it. And so having this, finding this balance between focusing on the dream, focusing on the goal but then also finding a way of focusing on the steps, on the means, on the how you get there without that becoming so overwhelming that it creates this big ball of inertia that you can't get going. And I think that's where taking this small steps approach really comes in. And it is, it's important. It's his first C, it's his consistency and it's their small steps. You've got to get started and you've got to get going and you've got to be consistent. And you do need to focus on the how, on the steps. Yeah, I was just thinking as you said that we can't get to that point of creating new neurons and new pathways if we're not going to consistently reinforce those new thoughts, those new patterns. The old ones are going to stay so entrenched. Mm. So again, change comes, neuroplasticity comes by stopping thinking and doing the old things and starting to consistently think and do the new things. So I I don't think we could repeat that often enough. Mm. And I think as people, we often struggle with that. As you mentioned, even again with the with the same glass. We want to be able to pick up on something right away. We learn a new skill, we should be able to do it right away, but it does take so much repetition. And I really encourage people to go back to that that idea. Every day we think between 60 and 70,000 thoughts. But if 95% of those are old thoughts, We don't have a lot of new stuff going on. So if we want to grow and change, we have to be focusing on the new things. Yeah, 
And it is a balance, isn't it? Yeah, it's focusing on the new things and you kind of need that big dream to sort of get that focus, but then you need to get down into the nitty gritty consistent part. And that is going to involve some steps of change, but that's where it's important to make those steps manageable that you're actually going to do them. (laughs) If they're too big, if the steps are too big and they feel too overwhelming, you're never going to get to getting that consistency, getting that C mm-hmm. out the way. So it's all a bit of a delicate balance, isn't it? And it's so it's so different for, for different people. You know, in the in the uh, in the worlds that we overlap in, you know, in the in the nutrition and fasting worlds, we know how some people like to go all in and they like to make big changes and they have that they're the kind of person who can really go cold turkey or can go full at it to really break that inertia and get going and they need to do it that way to just get started and to start building that consistency whereas other people they've got to take it little bit at a time Mm. and you can't say one way is going to work for everybody that's right Absolutely. And I feel like it's once again why we keep coming back to the same themes from a little different angle. Mm. People who are in the fasting method community hear me talk about these things all the time. And I don't always say them the same way. And I hope that when they listen to episodes like this, they can keep tweaking how it fits best for them. Because as you said, we don't all learn best from the exact same approach. For some of us, the amount of repetition required is a lot more significant than for others. Um, I meant to look this up before we came to record this today, and I'm just remembering it now, but the book that really made me think about this was Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. Oh, yeah. And again, I wish I had looked these up because they were fascinating to me, but you know, you think of someone who seems like a child prodigy on the violin or the piano or... You think of Steve Jobs with the computer programming and things, and you think, gosh, these people were just born with some astronomical skill or talent that no one else can touch. But when you really go back and look, very rarely are they actually just prodigies. They have practiced that violin 10,000 hours. Mm. Whereas, you know, when I started to learn to play the violin, I probably practiced it 20 hours that year. And I did not become a Juilliard violinist for that primary reason. Um, But that idea that the consistency, the repetition, the doing the new thing, we get better at it. And I just hope to encourage people not to get too easily discouraged and use these three C's, four C's to help them to make the changes that they want to make and make them consistent. Yeah, and I love how he, you mentioned one of those earlier on, but he has these little phrases and these little sayings that he comes up with that almost always I'm like, oh, yes, that's genius. <laughs> he just has a brilliant way of looking at things, doesn't he? That, and then very succinctly putting it together mm-hmm. in his messages. Yeah, I like him a lot. Well, we hope that everyone out there finds ways to make their changes in their lives happen, giving yourself time and consistency and patience so that you can make them stick. Have a very wonderful week. Take good care, everybody. Bye.